0: Hey, folks, before we get started, I wanted to thank one of our awesome sponsors, and that is the Free State Project. The Free State Project is a historic mass migration of over 20,000 people to the great state of New Hampshire with one goal, advancing liberty. Now, if you're a New Hampshire resident, you can also join the Free State Project, too. Just go ahead and make sure you sign up at fsp.org forward slash join. And and why would you want to join the Free State Project? Well, how about this? New Hampshire is one of the best states there is out there. For, number one, uh, being a pro-liberty state, they have the third safest state in terms of violent crime, the number one lowest property crime state in the United States. New Hampshire has the lowest homicide rate. They have active homeschooling communities, and New Hampshire has already uh, gone out of their way and elected 40, 40 free staters as legislators, both as Republicans and Democrats. And with that, they were able to reduce the state budget by 11%. So stop dreaming about Libertopia and actually make a difference Go to New Hampshire, become a part of the Free State Project. It's fsp.org forward slash join. Make sure you tell them that Brian Nichols sent you fsp.org forward slash join. I swear, if you don't tell them I sent you, I'm going to be disappointed. fsp.org forward slash join. And now, onto the show.
1: Brian Nichols, you're a great man with some great ideas and great podcasts. Do you
0: see why he's my favorite libertarian people? <laughs> yes. He's full of common sense and wisdom. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. Today, I am joined by easily one of the best of the best, Matt Kitty, Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show.
1: Hey, Brian. It's good to be with you. By the way, let me take a step back and say I love what you're doing. I love the conversational style, and it's a combination of good fun and serious ideas. I love the fact that your show's doing what it does, and, and this is how we win the future.
0: The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest-growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. amazing audience. It's your host, Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. And I bet like 95% of you saw the title of today's episode and you were like, wait, really? Arvin? Because if you are a longtime listener of The Brian Nichols Show, and I mean long time, we're going back to episode two from January of 2018, I had an episode that was entitled Ardenvora, The Libertarian Party, and Echo Chambers. And in that episode, I pretty much went scorched earth on Arvin Vora. And at the time, it was his controversies that were happening, uh, where Arvin was comparing school teachers and, and military personnel to rapists as the vice chair of the Libertarian Party, like National Libertarian Party, mind you. So not gonna lie, that didn't jive with me too well. And I really, you know, went, uh, after the, the messaging and the, uh, We'll say it's a different approach to try and bring people to libertarianism that Arvin was taking on versus what I still believe is a better alternative, and that is showing people the value of the principles and policies and really helping educate them along the way. So long story short, I was uh, reached out to by Arvin's campaign, uh, campaign being that he is running for the uh, Libertarian Party nomination to be our candidate for president of the United States. Uh, So I said yeah, you know, I'm going to stick to the principles that we really embrace here at the Brian Nichols Show. And for, again, you longtime listeners, that is talking to people who we don't necessarily agree with. Uh, And in this case, it's really just a a disagreement on how we actually bring people to the movement. And, um, you know, I really wanted to also give Arvin a chance to really explain himself during these controversies, kind of explain what his mentality was, why he thought that that was a good choice. Um, and really to discuss, you know, would he do that in the future? Does he think that's going to be the way that we're going to bring people to the libertarian movement. Um, so with that onto the show, Arvind Vora here on the Brian Nichols show,
1: Brian, thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk about ending the welfare state ending the income tax and whatever else we get into.
0: <laughs> All right, well, we'll get there, but first I think it's good for, uh, for people to at least get to know who you are. So, sure. um, you know, first and foremost, Arvind, before I, I give you the floor, I want to address the, the quote unquote elephant in the room. And that is mm-hmm. my, literally my second episode that I ever did here at the Brian Nichols show, um, was about you, believe it or not. Um, I. I went on my way and I said, you know, Arvin Vora, your messaging and stuff with the Libertarian Party is not what we need. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I I love the chance to to ask a few questions, but I want to make sure people know that my conversation with you today is entirely based. I want to get to know who you are. I kind of want to get to know what makes you tick um, and Mm -hmm. maybe kind of find areas. You know, I know we we approach things in a very different way, um, Mm -hmm. but maybe find some areas that we can, uh, I guess, maybe understand those differences better. And then maybe find ways we can uh, really come to a, a common I approach, uh, I guess, if you will, in in terms of how we can uh, advance liberty going forward. So I just want I people think to. That no- sounds fair. I'm, oh, okay,
1: I'm not sure if we'll succeed at that, but I think it's, a, <laughs> it's a it's a noble attempt. And, and, a noble and
0: that's a thing too. Like, I, and part of my show in for folks who are the first time listeners here, the Brian Nickel Show is my show is an open dialogue and an open conversation. Um, I want to have people on my show from the far left to the far right, and really try to. Find areas, uh, you know, be they small or large where we have agreements that we can, you know, really focus more upon those, but, you know, then take it and and try to expound upon it in a greater meaning, but also talk to people who I agree with on, I'd say, a lot of the issues, but maybe differences in how we approach advancing those differences or rather those issues. So we'll get to that in a second. But first and foremost, Arvind, let's kind of start off. Introduce yourself to uh, the Brian Nichols show audience and really what made you want to run for president as a libertarian.
1: Sure. I am an entrepreneur, a small business owner. I've run my own educational business, Bora Methods, since 2001. And I've been heavily involved in libertarian activism for many, many years. I was on the Libertarian National Committee for three terms, two terms as the vice chair. I've been involved in, in ramping up the social media of the Libertarian Party. I was involved in changing the branding and logo and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I've been involved in training candidates. So I've seen many, many different parts of the Libertarian Party and also the liberty movement as a whole.
0: So um let's start discussing your tenure as the libertarian vice chair because I think sure. that's where a lot of the, we'll say the controversy starts with you mm-hmm. um, because for for people who aren't aware back when you were as the vice chair of the libertarian uh, National committee y- you got a reputation I would say and, and you know whether it be deserved or not of being someone who was a bit of a um, Shall we say a shit stir, um, where you would say you would say very provocative or outlandish things to try and um, you know, be they hysteronics or whatnot, get a reaction from people both on the left and the right. Now, I personally took issue to some of them, uh, some of your your comments. And really quickly, I, I don't want to be a dead horse, but I think it's important sure. to address. So. First and foremost, you had a couple uh, messages that you posted on Facebook saying, you know, uh, how we sh- – I'll read it verbatim. Uh, it's okay to hand condoms to 12-year-olds in school. 13-year-olds should be able to have abortions without parental knowledge. Mandatory vaccination against HPV should be given to 9-year-olds. Note that this is a sexually transmitted disease. If you agree with that but think that people under the age of 16 cannot give sexual consent, maybe be time to reexamine your views. Um, you said, if a 14-year-old uh, has a kid, I'd prefer the other person to be an adult with a job. Hashtag end welfare. Mm-hmm. Um, And and there's a bunch of other ones in terms of discussing age of consent laws. Um, But then also you kind of went after uh, some some public school teachers saying, guys, we shouldn't speak badly of rapists. Many people rape and they they vote. If we attack them, they might not vote libertarian. That's how some of you sound when we suggest we pander to public school teachers and members of the military welfare complex in order to not lose our votes. Hashtag abolish government schools. Hashtag uh, taxation is theft. Hashtag end the military welfare complex. And I'll end with... One from Veterans Day, um, and it was as one day I hope that we can have a military policy that stops squandering the good intentions of young men and women. And it's a and now a special day, uh, Veterans Day message, and it was a little star pin that says "You tried." Now I'm going to take a step back as the host, and I want mm-hmm. to just give you my personal opinion. Okay, I find I find that to be very distasteful in trying to bring people who aren't already interested in libertarianism actually more towards our concepts and our beliefs and actually advancing liberty beyond our spheres of influence. So back when I did my show back in, it was actually, I think, February or January of 2018, Mm -hmm. where I discussed this the first time, um, I took issue to the fact that it makes my job as someone who is a liberty advocate to bring people who are libertarian curious or just liberty curious, be they from the left or the right, and to have them get more involved in the liberty movement and start to learn more and, and grow themselves intellectually, when comments like that are made that are either going to be attacking public schools or attacking the the you know military or uh, saying we should look at the way we approach age of consent laws in, in a way that kind of came across pseudo endorsing pedophilia, which I know you've said openly that you you did not intend that, but. There's one part in in a response you gave, it said, our job as libertarians to promote our message is hard. And I said, my response is, well, yes, it is hard. Stop making it harder. So I I will give you the floor there after my kind of three minute speech, if (laughs) you will, to, to maybe help me better understand what your mindset was when you posted these kind of comments. And I guess how you have approached them in the past year and a half, two years following and maybe changing the way you, you've addressed, you know, the, the various ways to, to bring people into liberty movement or just the way you've maybe, I say, refined your messaging to be more palatable for a larger non-libertarian audience.
1: Sure. And, and I'm glad to have the opportunity to to talk about this a little bit more deeply. I and mean, I've talked about this a little bit, but but I think, you know, here with with, uh, you know, being on your show really lets me share some of the the, the history of this much more deeply uh, in 2016 at the end of it, I was just over the moon. I was so excited. I was, you know, I was the vice chair, you know, Nick, Nick Starwark and I had really been part of the leadership that had grown the party so much. I mean, we had the, you know, thanks to the, to the Johnson Weld campaign, we had so many new people, everything looked like it was going good. And so many people close to me were warning me. They were saying, you are not leading the movement that you think you're leading. And I said, what are you talking about? We have a growing liberty movement. We're fighting against government schools, ending welfare. And what everyone that, that was close to me that was maybe a little bit more objective than I was said, that's not what you have. You have a bunch of people who want to smoke weed, and they're happy to find a pseudo-intellectual organization that supports that. And I didn't believe it. I absolutely refused to believe anything like that. But I started to have doubts. There were some things that made me have some doubts. One was that anytime, time – this was back when I was still running the national page on and off – uh, when I would post something like Abolish Government Schools on the National Libertarian Party Facebook page, and remember, abolishing government schools, that is a minarchist position. It's an, Of course it's an anarchist position. It's a classical liberal position. There is no type of libertarianism in which government schools exist. There is simply – does those two things are fundamentally incompatible. There is a zero amount of overlap in those two Venn diagrams. And when I would post that, I would get such huge blowback. I thought that was weird, but I, you know, I let that slide. When I would say other things about government schools, a lot of a blowback, and I, I said, well, you know, I let that slide too. Uh, things started to get stranger to me. Now, I realized that that under what I thought was my good leadership, the Libertarian Party was becoming increasingly sort of statist, worshipping in a very shallow and stupid way. I mean, I think that that military rah rah is not in the modern era considered to be a sophisticated or intellectual or serious or rigorous approach. Most people say, yeah, you know, some people don't have any other options. Or people say, well, people get tricked into bad decisions. But when I saw that, for example, inside of the Libertarian National Committee, we had people who were joining the Marines from inside the committee, committee members joining the Marines. After talking to other committee members, I realized how far we had strayed. Can I I pause you, pause you really
0: quick? Because oh, because, conversely, I'm just going to you know toss this out there. I've heard from dozens, just personally myself, dozens of people who have been in the military who they went into the military with the expectation of what the military was promoted to be by the military recruiters or what have you. And when they got more involved and they realized what was actually taking place – that actually was the tipping point for them to start to look more towards libertarian ideals. So mm-hmm. I, I empathize with what you're saying in, in terms of people who are a part of the LNC joining the Marines, but then conversely, I've heard people who were part of the Marines and after their experience in the Marines or, or the military or armed services in general, then actually push them more towards libertarianism.
1: That, there, and there's no question about that. And when I when I meet with you know, veterans who are in that, in that ilk, for example, one of my competitors, Adam Kokesh, Uh, He has a tattoo that says, some gave all for nothing. And I think that there's so many people in the military who were in the military who realize that these sacrifices are wasted, that this heroism is being wasted. Um, At at one point, Larry Sharp and I were on a a debate on this, and, and Larry Sharp had taken issue with some of the things that I'd been saying, which is hardly any surprise. Uh, but actually, I agreed with something that Larry said. He said, I understand. He was speaking to the members of the military. He said, I understand why you joined the military. I understand that you wanted to fight for freedom. Now leave the military and come join us. And all of those are messages that I can get behind. I can get behind Adam Kokash's message. I can get behind Larry Sharp's message to leave the military and, and come home. But what I cannot get behind and what I cannot stomach is a mindset that says, military rah-rah, we need to, it's it's great and heroic when somebody joins the military because it's not. It's it's a bad, bad, stupid, stupid decision. If you're doing it because you think it's heroic, you're misled. If you're doing it because it's going to pay for your college, well, that's just sociopathic. If you're willing to kill kids to get to college, then there is something very deeply morally wrong with you. So either way, it's not something I would say it's a good idea. And to encourage that, to see so many of my libertarian brothers and sisters encouraging that And cheering people on when they joined the military, I realized that I had failed fundamentally. I had deeply and fundamentally failed in my leadership position if that was the culture that I had inadvertently encouraged. And I realized, you know, looking through the Gary Johnson campaign, that that there were things I turned a blind eye to. I knew that that they were, for example, uh, doing advertising outside of military bases. And they weren't advertising. They weren't doing Larry Sharp advertising, right? They weren't saying, we know why you joined the military. Now leave the military and join us. It was just like the troops are really good. Support the troops. Supporting the Gary Johnson. It was just that empty military rah rah sort of like low intelligence patriotism, and and I and I turned a blind eye to it. I was like yeah, that's fine. The Johnson Johnsonville campaign is doing that. I could have said something. I, I mean, I knew about it, but I chose not to say anything. And that you know that's a moral decision that I made, and it's obviously something I need to live with. Um, but I had realized that that what I was doing there had failed and what was even more telling so much like much much like like you now at the time i was running the libertarian party uh, official podcast and i hadn't an, had a rule that and i would interview uh, three or four candidates every episode if I had, a, I had a rule that if all three or four candidates could get through the the segment without talking about increasing government so in other words just leaving a neutral or ideally cutting it if we could just get through an episode then i would post the episode on the national page and i almost never did and I realized that we were a party that had become so status friendly that our candidates, our spokespeople, were out there spreading the the message of more government instead of the message of cutting government. And to me, that was a failure. So, having realized that, you know, me being the nice kind of golden boy, of the Libertarian Party wasn't working. And, and just for some backstory, in in 20 uh, uh, in, in 2016. Uh, it, sorry, and uh, after my first term of the L- as uh, as an LNC member, that would be 2014. The chair, Jeff Neal, said, you know, he called me Rookie of the Year, as and I'd you know done the most stuff of anybody new on the LNC. But that wasn't working, and we had so many people out there who thought libertarianism was about having a social safety net. Why? Because that's what Gary Johnson said about the fair tax. Why? Because that's what Gary Johnson said about. Keeping government schools because Johnson-Weld refused to say anything on the topic about maintaining the drug war because again they refused to say anything on the topic. Uh, Johnson-Weld, Bob Barrow, that was the same. He refused to talk about legalizing all drugs, and I realized that this being nice was not working. It was getting people to call themselves libertarian, sure, and I've gotten many hundreds of people to call themselves libertarian. But they weren't being a libertarian. And to me, being a libertarian really does come down to some core issues. You have to oppose the welfare state. You have to oppose government schools. If you support government schools, you might be something else. You might be a centrist, but you're not a libertarian. There's no there's no overlap there. There's no possibility of those two things happening at the same time.
0: Well, let me ask, let me really quick ask you this because now now I think I, I'm hearing a little bit of maybe where our our disagreements or just our differences in approach of, of actually bringing people to the movement is. My, so my philosophy has been there are – uh, I'd say at least, I don't know, at least 50% of the population guaranteed in America who are not libertarian, they're Democrat or Republican, like that's a guarantee. The other 50%, I say, are either independent centrist or agnostic or just apathetic. They just don't care. Um, And I think mm-hmm. those are the people that we really should be looking to to bring more towards the libertarian movement because they're not already leaning towards one political ideology or the other. Now, with that we, being said- good at, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, so with that being said, When I think libertarians start the conversation with a you know, saying public school teachers uh, are similar to that of murderers or rapists, or or veterans are are similar to that of murderers or rapists, it's instantly turning off a conversation with someone who wanted to listen to something you had to say. So instead of approaching the conversation saying, let's take age of consent laws, for example. This is actually the example I used in my episode back in in January 2018, where I said, you know, let's say you were talking to some, you know, uh, older fuddy-duddy who, in his mind, age of consent laws are something that are so like taboo you cannot discuss them because you know the the rule is 18 right and and then you can start the conversation saying, well, you know, hey, tell me, Larry, uh, why is it that when you know we we discuss alcohol, you you know, wh- wh- let me tell you, what, what's your thoughts on alcohol, Larry? Oh, well, you know, I think if the parents have a you know a belief that their kids should be able to have a drink of alcohol when they're younger and they can handle it, well, why not? And then you are able to start, okay, what about cigarettes? What about driving a car? And you can start to have that conversation and building up the the principles, and you're you're getting them to agree and make these small agreements with you, instead of mm-hmm. saying. Age of consent laws should be arbitrary uh, because, you know, 14 year olds in some areas in Europe can, can make, you know, their own age or their own consent decisions. And I think it, I think it's just a matter of approach. You're, you're being much more, this is what it means to be a libertarian. Whereas I'm saying, let's be more pragmatic, not in our messaging and the values, but how we, I guess, yeah, I'm sorry, more pragmatic in our messaging, but not in pragmatic in the values have the values, but then actually bring people to the values by giving them baby steps to to help them get more and more comfortable, now, and I'll, let me finish by saying this: the reason I sure. say that is because I know myself and and dozens of others that I've interacted with in my not only personal spheres of influence but you know beyond just in politics in general. That's how they got to being libertarians and believing the things that libertarians believe, like abolishing, you know, public schools. Like I, I posted the other day, we need to get rid of the Department of Education, which I know is one of the things you're promoting on your your campaign website. Um, you know, I, I think we're we're all in favor of ending the war on drugs. There's no question that libertarians believe that. But then talking to a Republican who's been, you know, taught since they were in, you know, second grade that this is your brain on drugs, and they show a scrambled egg, like. <laughs> that you're you're competing with indoctrination that's been it's really been you know crammed down their throats since they were born. So to, to completely, you know, show them the, you know, the the blue or the red pill in this case of, of what reality is, it's it's kind of overwhelming. And I think it they just like, you know what? I'm just not gonna look at this. I'm gonna ignore this and I'm gonna turn it off. I'm gonna keep on living in my own blue pill world because the information you're giving me was too much at once. It's too much for me to comprehend, and we have to help give them baby steps. That's my thoughts. That's kind of the way I approach it. Where am I wrong, or where am I getting a little bit of a disconnect in your your opinion? sure now now
1: you're, remember this is something where I've done both, right? I've done both very extensively uh during the years that you probably didn't know or care who I was. I was doing exactly what you're describing uh, and and that came from my experience in education, you know working with people being you know gently persuasive and and obviously in an education might be persuading somebody more about the importance of math, but it, it's still for a kid that can be a pretty tough sell, so what I realized is Yes, you can walk somebody down that path, but eventually they're just going to stop hearing you. And even today, all the people who are bought in the Libertarian Party, many, many of whom by me, many by me working at various booths and doing various kinds of outreach are still not at that basic level of abolishing government schools. And to me, that means we're running basically a Christian church where believing in Jesus is optional. There are certain things that are essential to libertarianism, ending the welfare state to me is essential to libertarianism, minarchism, anarchism, whatever, Uh, to me, not being involved in wars in other countries that that's essential. What my experience has been ever since I've very significantly changed my, my outreach is that, yeah, it's made a lot of people angry and a lot of the people who started out very, very angry later are people who voted for me in straw polls. There have been people who've told me that, yeah, I hated you so much that I just couldn't tell you how much I hated you. But guess what? I've decided this year I'm homeschooling my child and wanted to thank you. Uh, so many people say, you know, after you said all that stuff about the military, I was so mad, but, you know, I've decided that I'm not going to send, send, you know, I was pressuring my son or daughter to join the military and I've decided to do that, stop doing that. And so to me, if i you know, did I, did I sacrifice, you know, getting to be vice chair for another time? Yeah, maybe. But have I also saved quite a few people from government schools? Have I saved quite a few people from the military? To me, if the question is between maintaining, you know, maintaining a a position, a title and getting to save somebody from even one person from a fate like that, it's not it's not a very hard decision to make. Uh, The soft sell. Yeah, you're right. The soft sell gets people there. But it doesn't actually get people converted. It gets people to misunderstand what libertarianism is. And what's even worse is then, as I saw in my show, to become our spokespeople and then spread false information about where we are. Uh, you've talked about reaching out to these to, – to, to all these various groups. And in, in, uh, in 2008, we chose to – the Libertarian Party chose not to nominate Dr. Mary Ruert for the same reason, by the way. It was age of consent stuff. Because the opposing side, Bob Barr and Wayne Rudd scared the hell out of the delegates and said, like, look at this, that you're going to have to defend socially. And people got freaked out. The result, one of the, the, the long-term indirect results, in my opinion, of that was the creation of the alt-right. Because the idea that non-voters are sort of like good old-fashioned fuddy-duddies is just not true. Some are good old-fashioned fuddy-duddies. Some are teenagers looking to rebel. Some are people in their 20s who are fed up with the things the way they are. There's a lot of anger out there. And the idea that they're all just like good old-fashioned nice people is false. We Those people who are now being misled through ideas of Nazism, racism, things that should have been gone 30, 40 years ago – that's because the Republican Party managed to tap into their discontent while the Libertarian Party was trying to be nice to everybody and be as harmless and as innocuous as humanly possible.
0: What, so let me ask you this. Sure. Um, would it stand a reason that the Libertarian Party could approach, approach outreach using both methods? And, and let me explain that a little bit more. So being able to attack both of the major two parties, but also just in general, like the, the, the principles and policies that go contradictory towards libertarian beliefs and ideology to, to make bold proclamations like that, but then to make it easier. So not being so, um, not being so sensational and not trying to do that, the wow factor or the shock factor. But just making the statement and then letting the, the messengers, letting the salespeople of of the LP do their job. And that is to actually bring people in who are like, hey, I saw your sign that said, um, end the drug war. Uh, tell me more about that. And mm-hmm. then for us to explain more about, well, this is why it's important to, to, you know, abolish the, the war on drugs, uh, because X, Y, and Z, we can go down, the, you know, down those rabbit holes. I'm just, I, I think that's my, my perspective, Arvin, is that, when you start out making a very shock oriented statement that is instantly going to turn off people, it's not giving the sales guys the the chance to give their pitch. You know what I mean? like instead of
1: so I don't think I, that's true, actually. no. I mean, if you if you look at the most recent successful election, it was this these are Trump's words, by the way, not something I agree, with. but what Trump said is, I'm going to build a wall to keep them out and make Mexico pay for it. That's about as incendiary a statement as you can get but what he did and, and here's the the issue is like libertarians we've gotten so used to being ignored that we forget that being fought is a step above being ignored not a step below being ignored that sensationalism that controlling the message the only reason uh, that i mean i would have had the libertarian party talking about ending you know not listening the military for until now out of respect for 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 nick sarwark who asked me to tone it down a bit i i i agreed to but the simple fact is this during that time I had the Libertarian Party talking about exactly what I wanted to. And if I'm the nominee, I'm going to have the country talking about what I want them to talk about. Now, that's – Brian, that's going to make your life harder because you're going to have a lot of people attacking you. But on the other side, it's going to make your life easier because people are going to be de- – they won't be politely listening to you. They're going to be demanding an explanation from you. You're going to have that captive audience.
0: So <laughs> I agree. I would have a captive audience, but uh, a captive audience. But the, the conversation is different. From a point of trying to teach people or trying to um, you know just guide people through a progression of how I got to where I was. And I, honestly, I think that's the best way, honestly, to bring people into the movement is to say, well, this is my story, and I came from you know the right, and you know here's somebody else's story that came from the left, and here's how we're able to both see problems in our society, and we originally started with different ways to solve those problems, but we ended up in the same position. How did we get there? I find that I've had infinitely more success doing that than trying to go back and say, well, what they were trying to say. So I'll, I'll give you an example. I had one of my my dear friends asking. He's like, "What is the this vice chair of the Libertarian Party doing?" He's saying that public school teachers are like that of rapists. Like, come on, man. Like, that's that's a little out there, right? And I'm so, like, "So then, did you take that opportunity to explain that there,
1: this is a non consensual thing where they're taking your money without your consent?" Seeing people have often said that taxation is ta- theft is like the last thing you should ever say. But the biggest converter in the entire history of the Libertarian movement begins her argument with taxation is theft. Well, see. Is- I agree with you. And that's
0: the thing. I agree with you. And I I agree. Yes, you're right. It is non-consensual. The problem is, is that to even get to the point to have that conversation, it becomes infinitely more difficult. So back to my original point is our job already as the third party, the little kid table, our job is hard. And I just I I find it frustrating sometimes when it's made harder than it, it should be. When we're trying to defend our statements versus saying here's why our ideas are right, and on the the, the battlefield of ideologies and, and beliefs, we're going to win because our ideas are based on just fundamental moral virtues. I mean, don't what hurt people and don't take the... people's stuff. That's pretty. That's pretty. Common for anybody to say, yeah, that makes sense. And I yeah, think if but we, they
1: don't include government schools as taking people's stuff. They don't of course they the don't. They don't include military welfare complexes as, as that. But we have and, to explain
0: to them. That, and that's my point. Is like to be able to actually explain to people, get the get the chance to actually sit them at the conversation table and say, here's wh- why I think you're wrong. And here's why I think what I'm saying is right. And to, to let them in their mind weigh the, the difference of ideas. I hear what you're saying. Like people – get stuck in their mindset because public schools are like the, the, the good The good
1: thing, thing right? Yes.
0: <laughs> and like, okay, i think, I, think I listened to Dave Smith with Nick, Nick Gillespie and Dave Smith and Nick Gillespie, they were on uh, Thaddeus Russell's podcast and they, they went back and forth on this too and, and I've had Nick on my show. I'm, I'm working on getting Dave on my show and I, I I think they both have valid arguments in terms of how they want to approach discussing public schools. I think it's just a matter of which one's going to work and I honestly, I, I found it well, to here, be more compassionate has worked.
1: Let's look at how reason discusses public. People have said – there, there's two points I want to make. First of all, if you want to say who in the Libertarian Party has had a serious and intellectual discussion about age of consent, you can narrow it down to three people. And you know, I happen to be in a in a, in a group with two total giants, but it's three people that I know of. It's it's um, Murray Rothbard, Mary Ruer, and me. It shouldn't be three people. It should be everybody. And people who are often saying, well, I, I don't like the way you say it, and you look at what they say, like what they've said about abolishing government schools, it's usually nothing. Silence is not persuasion. Silence is silence. If you look at Reason Magazine, what they've said about abolishing government schools has been nothing. The only thing they've talked about and the only time they've mentioned abolishing government schools in the last I don't know how many years has been inside of a quote from me, which was an, an, an article that was actually kind of biased. What like, was a, It was it was a negative article about me that was talking about abolishing government schools. That's how close to reason our flagship publication has gotten. So when people say, I, I don't like, like the way you say it, I say, fine, say it a different way. Say it 10 different ways. But say it. Staying silent about the best parts of libertarianism, getting rid of government schools, getting rid of of military recruitment, ceasing to deal with other nations with threats and violence, bringing the troops home. Say it some way, but don't say it silently. And that's the big problem that I have with the the approach that says, well, I like what you say, but I don't like the way you say it, because most of the people who do that don't
0: say anything about the topic at all. So would it be fair to say that you would be more – So obviously you're running for president of the United States as a libertarian. So I think it's it's fair to assert that you you're much more in the mindset of say the things that could be controversial and and let the public control the message, yeah, Yeah. control the message and let the public really you know I guess get hit with the truth and then it's on to them whether or not they want to accept it or not. Versus having a person who's going to be more of a you know and let's just use Larry Sharp for example, right? Because I I had Larry on my show just a couple weeks ago. Larry is much more in the here's the problem. Here's why the current solution isn't working. Here's the alternative, right? Where Versus what I hear from you, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, is that it's more of this is bad and then just leaving it as it is. And and like once the this is bad proclamation has been made, people are like, okay, yes, it's bad. But I don't know where to go from here. Whereas it seems like Larry or, or just that, in general, it's been much more trying to educate. So yeah, am I, I, wrong I don't think that,
1: That's true. I mean, for example, we talk about abolishing government schools. Uh, you know, on my on my business website, we have a free page that in, gives people instruction about homeschooling. I've done plenty of videos about homeschooling, and you know, both in the community and on on Facebook. So I don't think I don't think it's fair to say just. This is bad and don't do anything for the military. I've, I've talked to people, you know, both publicly and, and, and privately about how to get a conscientious object object or discharge. Uh, it's a, it's not a dishonorable discharge. It's a way out of the military. If you, if you get there and realize everything you're doing is totally stupid. Um, but if you if you say, what is the biggest problem that libertarian candidates face? It's not being opposed. That's not our biggest problem. If we were being opposed, that would be fantastic. It means we'd be in the debates. It means we'd be in the media. Our biggest problem is being ignored. And that's what happens to most libertarian candidates. And they help out the media by making their message ignorable. Larry Sharp is an extremely charismatic speaker. So so he uh, to me, he's in a, maybe a slightly different category. But even... What he's done so far with a lot of the media he's gotten has been to essentially squander it. I mean, he was asked questions about abolishing government schools, for example, by Joe Rogan. And instead of talking about that, which he could have, I mean, he was just, just handed this beautiful opportunity. Larry Sharp, by the way, also believes that we should abolish government schools. He just danced around the question and talked about, I don't know, vouchers or some nonsense. That we need to make a strong stand against the welfare state, and and I do believe that that if if I'm the nominee, we'll be making a strong stand against the welfare state. So really but quick, all...
0: what, what if what if Larry? Let, let's just kind of use this as, as an example because sure. I want to hear what would Arvin Vora done differently. So let, let's say Larry, you know, gets asked the question again by Joe Rogan about public schools. What would you have done differently than than what Larry did? And uh, I kind of want after hear your answer, I'll give you what I think Joe would done in return.
1: Okay. Okay. That that sounds fair. Um, I, I want, can I, can I do both, both what I would have done with Larry's place and yeah. also in, in Gary Johnson's place when yep. he was in the CNN thing? hundred percent. CNN, he was asked by, um, I'll do, I'll do Gary Johnson first just cause it's chronological. Uh, CNN, Gary Johnson is asked by a mom whose, whose child had been damaged by heroin. You know, you want to legalize drugs and, and, and the, and the drug war, you know, what are you going to say to people like me who've had this terrible thing happen? And in that particular case, I wouldn't have done what, Der- what Gary Johnson had done. I would have said, first of all, these, the, the reason that this kind of health risk exists is because people who are using drugs are getting random concentrations of, of, the, of the drug, which leads to a greater risk, greater death rate. So we're taking a small problem, a problem, a significant problem, drug use is not a way to promote human flourishing, and turning into a massive problem. We're taking a bad situation and making it a thousand times worse. Where instead, if we have the private sector managing this, we will have ways for people to wean themselves off of drugs, which most people who are addicted do want to get off of drugs, just as today we have so many programs for people who want to quit smoking. And I might have taken a slightly different direction depending on there, but I would have then certainly emphasized that we need to end the drug war. We need to get the government out of there. We need to pardon all nonviolent drug offenders, all nonviolent drug users, all nonviolent drug tra- drug traffickers. Cut taxes and let people flourish in ways that actually make sense. So that's what I would have said in that type of situation. Uh, suppose that I'm on, on Joe Rogan's podcast, right? What I want to do is I want to make sure that the message of abolishing government schools gets out there. I want to make it explosive as, as explosive as, as humanly possible. He asked me, what do we do about public schools? I would say the public school experiment has failed. It is time for us to get rid of government schools completely. People should pay for their own kids' education just as they pay for their own kids' food and clothing, and creating the worst education system ever seen on this earth is not a good way to promote education. Public school education damages students. It robs people who have nothing to do with producing a child. It's morally wrong. It takes some of the greatest minds in the country who want to teach and forces them to teach nonsense like Common Core. So yes, I would support abolishing government schools. That's what I would have said to Joe Rogan in that situation.
0: So, and then I can almost uh, assure that Joe would have responded, "Well, you know, there's there are kids who absolutely." Do not have the chance to get a private schooling option because of their, their, their income levels, their family, you know, Fantastic. being in poverty, that being the, the case that they're in areas, you know, I'm from middle of nowhere, New York, where I'm, you know, at least 15 miles from the closest school. Um, you know, they have no means to get to the school. So it seems like what you're promoting is a utopian vision. So. How would you have overcome something like that from Joe? And then, sure,
1: and then I would have said to Joe that what you're describing would only work in a fictional world if that there was some sort of a magical technology where somebody had some palm-held device where they could hear lectures and do exercise by some of the greatest teachers on earth. If we lived in a world like that where you could just log on to some magical handheld device and take lessons from the best teachers on earth. Not some people are just sullenly getting through the day, but some of the best and most inspired teachers on earth who are bo- who are all competing to offer different free services. See, I agree and, with
0: you know, that. I, yeah, I 100% I, agree. And that, I think, yeah. okay, right there. I think maybe we can, we can kind of segue towards, we get towards the end of the show because we're getting up close on time. Okay. But that I think maybe is the way I would have approached it to start saying, listen, Joe, you know, public schooling is a thing of the past. Like we are, we are getting to the point where it's becoming more and more clear that public schooling does not work. And the reality is, is in 2019, there is so much available technology that schooling has become almost obsolete in the way that it has been promoted as it is now. We, and like you just said, Arvin, we have the opportunity for kids with, with cell phones or with the, just going to a public library and accessing, and I know public libraries, public, obviously, but you know, saying we have these existing things already in place that they can access the internet just to get, you know, online to, to experience, you know the 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 words and the lectures from some of the smartest people out there isn't that maybe a better way to approach a conversation? No. You, and you don't I've think done, it is because I've
1: done both. I've done both. I mean, i've done I've started that way. And that way does not work. it's It makes the initial conversation easier. It makes the conversion happen literally never. It's it's fun. It's easier for social in, in environments. And honestly, if I'm at a, at a friend's house for Thanksgiving and this conversation comes up, yeah, I'm gonna handle it like that. But if I'm on on a you know RT or CNN or Fox or MSNBC or or your show, I'm certainly not going to do that because that's a way to make sure the message it gets ignored. Here's the thing: people were so mad about me about government schools that they were willing not just to listen to me. They're willing to listen to literally any libertarian. To, they were demanding answers from literally any libertarian spokesperson. And that's what I want. I don't want us to be a, a party that just basically sits around talking about how it's mean to lock up marijuana. Yeah, of course we shouldn't be locking up marijuana users. It's idiotic. We shouldn't be locking up drug users at all. I don't want us to just be a party that sits around doing empty virtue signaling. I want us to be a party that's actually fighting the hard fights that lead to legitimate, meaningful conversions. You can get anyone to agree. That you shouldn't lock kids in cages. All right, fine. So what have you achieved then? Have we gotten to open borders? No, we've just agreed that this is kind of a mean thing to do. We need to get to the level where we say this. If you have a kid, you need to pay for it. And if it's not your kid, you owe that kid absolutely nothing. Society doesn't owe anybody anything. You as an individual don't owe anybody anything. What's even better is you don't need to because the stuff is free anyway. But even if it wasn't free, even if there was no internet, morally speaking, no one – having a child does not give you the right to steal from your neighbors, nor does it give you the right to deputize the government to steal from your neighbors. These are the messages that we need to be able to fight behind because they are the – areas where minarchists, classical liberals, and anarchists universally agree. There aren't two sides of this within libertarianism. We need to know what libertarianism is, and then we
0: need to sell the real libertarianism, not to pretend it's something else that's easier to sell and then sell that thing. So, I mean, I'm, as we finish this conversation on this topic, I will say, I, I don't think it's people that were so upset that you say, let's abolish government schools, more so it was saying, well, you know, you are comparing public school teachers to rapists. I think that was the thing. Not, not so much... The, the public school itself—it was the the comparison to some I mean, of the that, worst that's people. Kind
1: of was- an old and trope. I mean, the idea of consent being the difference between sex and rape, between buying and stealing, and between legitimate private sector free market education and public schools. Public schools are non-consensual. In many states, you have to go to them, even if you don't, if you would prefer to homeschool. And in every state that I know of, you have to pay for them, even if you think they're immoral and idiotic. That. Is a non-consensual action. It is non-consensual the way that robbery is. It's non-consensual the way that rape is. Is rape worse? Yes, obviously. Rape is 100,000 times worse. But that core idea that there is no consent is a central and essential idea to it. And if we can't get behind the idea that, 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 that non-consensual actions are wrong, then we are just massively failing as a party and an intellectual movement. Non-consensual funding is morally and ethically and socially
0: and economically wrong. So let's uh, let's wrap up here. Um, I've had uh, two of your direct competitors on my show, Kim Ruff and Adam Kokesh, and I had one not so much direct as potential direct uh, competitor and Justin Amash on my show as well. So, Arvin, I'm giving you the floor here as we wrap up the show. Why should libertarian voters look to Arvind Vora for 2020 versus someone like a Kim Ruff, an Adam Kokesh or uh, a Justin Amash?
1: If there's one thing that you guys know I'm good at, it's this. It's making a large number of people talk about what I want them to talk about. And if I'm the nominee, I guarantee you this. The United States of America, the American people, are going to be talking about our issues. It's going to make your life harder. People will be demanding answers from you. You're going to be the center of every debate, of every water cooler discussion, of every family dinner discussion. You're now going to be the center. You're no longer going to be be the silent, eccentric, ignored person on the outskirts. You're going to be the center of American politics. If you're ready for that challenge, if you're ready to be the center of every political debate, then please visit my site at VoteVora.com. And where can uh, folks go ahead and find you on social media, Arvin, if they want to get more engaged with you on a day-to-day basis? I'm I'm primarily on Facebook. I also have a Twitter account. I'm Twitter at at ArvinVora, Facebook.com slash VoraEducation.
0: So I'll be sure to include all those links into the uh, the show notes. And Arvin, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a, as much kudos as I possibly can right now because um, you came onto the show and, and you had a conversation with me and I asked you some tough questions and that's uh, you know what we ended up with was a civil conversation and I think I leave this conversation knowing a lot more about you and the way you approach your messaging so I, I'm actually very appreciative to have this chance to ask you those questions and and also get some answers now I, I still don't necessarily agree with you 100% of the way but I, I know where you're coming from and that's the entire goal of the Brian Nichols show is if we don't necessarily have to agree at the end of the conversation we at least know where the other side's coming from so with that thank you so much for joining me today on the show
1: thanks for having me on
0: absolutely and folks if you enjoyed today's episode please share with family and friends if you want get more involved with Arvin's campaign obviously go ahead and check him out online but as for uh, the Brian Nichols show folks if you enjoyed today's episode number one go to iTunes I guess it's now Apple Podcasts give us a rate and review five stars only please um, but also over to my social media at bnicholsliberty both on uh, Facebook and on Twitter um, and as always folks if you want to go ahead and become one of our supporting listeners uh, go over to Patreon uh, a $5 per month uh, patron uh, subscription would be great I, I honestly would be so thankful if you could do that but if not that one time PayPal donation is always a, a very appreciated that link is there in the show notes as well but folks hey listen i enjoyed you on the show today if you enjoyed today's show hey again share with family and friends but until next week it's brian nichols signing off here in the brian nichols show for arvin vora we'll see you next week thanks for listening to the brian nichols show find more episodes at brian